Exploring the world of ESG, 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Charlotte O'Mara. Welcome to ESG in 10. Asset backed securities or ABS is often one of the harder asset classes in fixed income to integrate ESG, but it may not be as complex as it seems on the surface. Today's podcast explores the world of ABS and the ESG considerations that should be front of mind for ABS investors. Joining me in the podcast studio today are two colleagues from Challenger Investment Management, Chris Whitcomb, Head of European and US ABS, and Michael Sestouli, Analyst in the Domestic ABS team. Chris and Michael, welcome to ESG in 10. Thanks, Charlotte, and uh, a pleasure to be uh, here talking to you today on ESG in asset-backed securities. So as I've noted in the intro, asset-backed securities are often considered one of the harder asset classes to integrate ESG. Can you take us through some of the ESG issues in the space? Yes. So when we at Challenger Investment Management invest in asset-backed securities, uh, we're investing in a bonds backed by a portfolio of assets, whether that be mortgages, auto loans, consumer loans, or corporate leverage loans. Uh, so compared to ESG analysis in traditional corporate space, there are a couple of nuances that we need to consider. Um, this is because identifying ESG issues and processes is important, not only when reviewing the transaction and the specific portfolio of assets themselves, but also when reviewing the origination of these loans and the processes that the mortgage or loan provider uses to market these loans and agree terms with customers. A governance is also a key issue within the asset-backed securities market, as it's important to understand the alignment of interests between parties of the transaction and the management in place of any conflicts of interest that, uh, that may arise in that transaction over time. Um, so just touching on some of the examples of ESG relating to the loan originator, um, starting with governance, really risk controls of the company are, are crucial there. Um, are they originating loans in line with policies? Adequate review of documentation? Um, are the securitization getting the loans that the documentation say that they're supposed to be getting? On the social side, um, marketing of products to customers, making sure that customers are well informed about the product. Um, all of these uh, these items really help address some of the potential for mis-selling risk um, that the customers is uh, customers are signing up to products that they don't really fully understand. Um, and also, um, are the loan originators treating customers fairly uh, if they fall behind on payments? That's a, it's a key issue for us. And then on the environmental side, uh, are, are customers making sustainable loans? For example, are car loan providers adequately covering the risks of uh, the energy transition? Uh, and I know that Michael has some examples of some ESG risks relating to the loan pools themselves. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, so some examples of ESG issues and considerations uh, for the underlying loan pools. On the environment side, uh, we have to consider the geographic concentration risk of the portfolio loan. So the borrowers will be spread across certain regions, uh, particularly in, a, in an Australian context, there might be some areas which are more subject to extreme weather events, for example. So we've seen increased flooding and bushfires in recent years. And this is something that will not only affect the credit risk of these loan pools, but uh, also the investment risk of the actual ABS transactions themselves. 
Um, equally, more on a benefit side, the loan pools might be including assets which are environmentally beneficial, such as household solar panels and heat pumps and electric vehicle charges. Um, so rather than being an issue, they might actually be providing an environmental benefit. On the social side, data security and, and privacy is a big uh, social issue when it comes to these loan portfolios, as a lot of these lenders have uh, big data and huge data sets of uh, borrower information. So it's, it's really important to keep those socially protected. And then on the governance side, as Chris sort of touched on, uh, there's a number of counterparties that uh, back these transactions and uh, allow the functioning of the loan pools. So the structure and the stability of these counterparties is an important uh, governance issue. And equally, the risk management and sort of audit and assurance of the transactions themselves just ensure that these loan portfolios are properly governed. So they're just a few examples that affect the, the loan pools of these ABS transactions. I think it's fascinating to hear the various ESG issues that we think about in investing, but as applied to loans. And, and I think there are many different um, issues there that are covered across many different asset classes. But when you apply them to loans, it's it's really interesting to to look at that through that lens. And I think, Michael, what I also appreciated you touching on is some of the environmental considerations that we've seen in Australia in recent years and that really brings us to your global perspectives. It's great to have both of you here from a US and European perspective but also from the Australian perspective and so I'd love to get your insights on how advanced are the ESG considerations in ABS across the globe. Are there certain jurisdictions which are leading the way on ESG and ABS? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point. And I think in, in terms of the, the key jurisdictions that's leading the way there is Europe really. Um, it's been driven by uh, investor demand and investor focus um, on ESG um, here. I, I think really the key area here is around uh, disclosures and uh, restrictions around documentation uh, within ABS um, and also around uh, originator policy and practices uh, on that front. Um, so within the disclosure side of things, uh, within CLOs, um, so within the collateralized loan obligation market, managers of the leveraged loan portfolios here have explicit documentation restrictions around investing in ESG negative sectors. Um, these can be sectors such as um, revenues linked to arms manufacturers, polluting industries, um, and even tobacco revenues. Similarly, on, on most European ABS transactions now come with an ESG questionnaire, which is completed by the asset originator. Um, there we're getting uh, good and, and consistent data and uh, comparable data uh, across different managers which and originators, which is, is key really, because then you can start to build a, a more knowledgeable and more detailed uh, framework to, to really look at differences between originators and managers and different practices uh, within the market. Um, elsewhere globally, I'd say the US is lagging. Um, their governance tends to focus uh, as the as the key point and, and the dominant point, um, with lower attention paid to the social and, and environmental issues. Uh, although there we still do see some of the large investors uh, and large issuers like the government mortgage agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, proving disclosures uh, around that area. Um, and, and maybe Michael can touch a, a little bit on the the side of things in, in Australia. Yeah, thanks, Chris. So in Australia, I think 
as Chris said, Europe is leading the way. I think Australia is sort of catching up, but still in a bit of a rudimentary phase in terms of ESG considerations for ABS. I think the, the two sort of key areas where we are getting a bit of development is one on the regulation side and two on the data coverage side. So these are sort of the two key issues, not only for ABS investors, but also the underlying lenders. Uh, in terms of regulation, the Australian Sustainable Taxonomy is currently being developed, which will basically provide regulated definitions for what sustainable activities are. And this will allow lenders to be able to safely and with conviction be able to market certain ABS deals as being green, for example, and having green products and being able to market those, again, with better assurance. And I think that will really drive a lot of the, um, not only uh, confidence for ABS investors to invest in green deals or other types of ESG-related deals, but on the product side, be able to um, provide borrowers with access to maybe discounted home loans or car loans by having a positive environmental impact. So that will really drive on the regulation side. As for the data, uh, Chris mentioned in Europe that some or most auto lenders are starting to include carbon emissions reporting of their underlying car loan portfolios. And this is starting to happen in Australia with some issuers uh, pushing in that direction. But again, uh, this isn't a market-wide uh, adoption yet, and it's not mandatory. So the data is still uh, quite rud rudimentary, but it is slowly improving. Um, so this will really drive uh, ESG considerations and sort of the ability for investors to assess these things by having that data. Uh, at least within ABS. So there's there's more development to come, I think. And I, I'm so glad you touched on data, Michael, because it's always uh, in the ESG community, when we talk about ABS, data is always seen as a big barrier, but it's great to hear that in Europe, we're starting to see more data emerge and it will be collected and improved over time. But then hopefully Australia will start to follow to really help investors have the data that they need in assessing uh, ESG and ABS. So uh, coming away from the globe and bringing it back to challenger investment management, I'd love to hear your approach to evaluating ESG risks within your ABS transactions. Yeah, so, so ESG analysis is, is fully integrated into the challenger investment management uh, review process. Um, we, we do rank each E, S, and G risk factor with a, a high, medium, low, and an ESG plus risk category. Um, really for, for us, governance is the key issue. Um, and we have a, a negative view on transactions which have higher governance risk, um, both combined uh, with uh, higher so, uh, social or environmental risk um, as well. Yeah, just to add to that as well, within Challenger Investment Management or SIM, uh, we do have that history within private lending markets and uh, within ABS, being able to have that sort of expertise and have relationships with these loan issuers through warehousing facilities allows us to have access to regular meetings and due diligence sessions with the management teams of these lenders. Um, and from that, this sort of provides a platform to be able to give constant feedback and have an ongoing dialogue and, and really engage with them when it comes to 
the company management, operations, and importantly, any ESG issues, as we talked about at the either the portfolio level or the issuer level. So uh, from this, we're able to engage on those issues, identify them, and then try and improve processes for their borrowers and be able to then provide feedback and engage on not only the sort of impact that these high interest loans were having uh, in terms of in a social context, but also the benefit to borrowers. Um, so we're able to engage on that because we had that not only expertise in private lending, but also by having that really close relationship with that issuer. Um, and I think in terms of engagement uh, can also be at a market level. So as sort of Chris talked about with Europe being a bit more advanced with ESG considerations um, and by being uh, a global team, we can sort of take things that we're identifying in European and other global markets and maybe try and uh, push for adoption of those in an Australian context. So um, we can engage in the market with issuers and investors on those as well. That's fascinating. And it's great to see that the power of engagement can extend um, very well into ABS and and um, it really shows the importance of those relationships, but also leveraging your global expertise, as, as you've mentioned. Uh, Chris and Michael, thank you so much for joining me today and offering your valuable insights into the world of ABS and ESG. Thanks, Charlotte. Appreciate having us on. And that is a wrap for this episode of ESG in 10. A big thank you to Chris Whitcomb and Michael Sestouli and Challenger Investment Management. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. The content today was produced by Melanie James with audio production by Jonathan Stiliano. I'm Charlotte O'Mara and this is ESG in 10 with Vedante.